Does anyone here ever fancy having a makeover? Like a complete makeover? Yeah, you fancy anyone? Anyone else? A makeover. By a makeover, what I mean is, you know, someone will come and they will, uh, you know, redo your hair. Uh, they'll talk through a new wardrobe. They'll do your colours. You ever heard of that? They do your colours. Work out what colours fit with your skin tone and things. Um, work out exactly what the, what the best wardrobe would be for you. A, a complete new makeover. Take some before and after pictures. Anyone up for that? Anyone fancy doing that? I'd be up for that. I'd have a go. <laughs> Why not? Or what about maybe you would prefer um, a makeover of the house? Uh, have you seen these different TV shows, Changing Rooms, that's a bit old now, but you know, other shows where they'll come in or, or um, they'll do their gar- your garden for you, or even your car, um, they'll, they'll redo your car, you know, a complete makeover, they're fantastic. Um, would you be up for that? Would you like someone to come and completely redo your house? Yeah, I've <laughs> got a few nods here. Yeah, that'd be fantastic, I'd be up for that too. Um, but the, the, the thing is, at the heart of these TV shows is something um, pretty, well, pretty profound and it's it's the concept of transformation it's transforming one thing into another so you always have your before and after pictures um you know especially in the sort of the makeovers of a of a person you'll have a picture of them and have you noticed they tend to look really depressed and like like that's the before picture and then the after picture they're like this (laughs) and you think oh well they must be happier now um but, you know, before and after, there's been a transformation. Transformation is at the heart of these, these shows. Little kids are getting very excited about transforming at the moment because um, the toys, Transformers, they were popular when I was a kid. Um, they're back in fashion now. Everyone's into Transformers. Transformation is pretty exciting. And, of course, you always have that great unveiling at the end of these TV shows um, where they will take you into the, ro- the, the new garden or the new room or, of course, they pull the, the, the curtain back on the mirror and let you see what you look like and either you have them bursting into tears of joy because they're so happy or they just break down in tears of depression when they see what they've done to them. <laughs> what have you done to my hair? Transformation is a powerful, powerful thing. Well, by far and away, the greatest and most significant and amazing, profound transformation you will ever find is in those verses that you've just read now. The, the, the biggest makeover in history. In just a few verses, Paul talks about a spiritual makeover. Have a look at this, right? In verse 3, we find Paul saying to the Colossians that they had died. For you have died, he said. For you died. In verse 3. But then he goes on to say that even though they're dead, now they're alive. And not only are they alive, they are actually going to be in glory. Now, I don't know about you, but that's probably the greatest transformation I've ever seen. I mean, if you imagine the before picture is of a dead body, and then the after picture is of that same dead body back alive and in glory, this is a phenomenal transformation. I've never seen anything like that on TV. Not even Trini and Susanna, I don't think, can handle this transformation. Now, You see, Paul is telling the Christians at Colossae something absolutely incredible. Last week, we were looking at Colossians as well. He was talking about how if someone gets reconciled to God, they are given amazing gifts, uh, amazing benefits of being reconciled. And for those of you who were here last week, you will know that those benefits were giraffes. Um, Now, those of you who were here last week, I can see you going, oh yes, I remember giraffes. And those of you who weren't, you're like, what are you on about? Well, ask me at the end if you want to know what I mean by giraffes. I don't mean obviously real giraffes. But he goes on in this letter to say that there is even more, even more. For those of you who are Christians or if you want to become a Christian, this is what's on offer. You get a spiritual makeover, a spiritual transformation. And it's a transformation that's deeper than your, than your physical looks or your house or your garden. You probably noticed that for some of you who've been Christians for a while or have become a Christian. 
like, you know, you might have looked one way one day and then when you became a Christian, you probably looked in the mirror and looked pretty much the same, right? You suddenly weren't drop-dead gorgeous as compared to yesterday or you didn't get a new house or a new extension on your house the day you became a Christian. There's obviously something a bit deeper and more profound. Wow, look. <laughs> Stay. Today, God wants you to look at this passage and it's as if he wants you to look in the mirror of these verses and say, Behold, the brand new you. You've been given a spiritual makeover. And with this brand new you, you get some brand new things. Uh, You get a new position. You get a new view, a new responsibility, and a new wardrobe. This week, we're going to look at the first two of those, a new position and a new view. Let's explore them together. Uh, The first one, a new position. Now, this passage starts with a very intriguing statement. Paul says to the Colossians, they have been raised with Christ, raised with Christ. And he also through the Bible is saying that to us today. If you're a Christian, you have been raised with Christ. Now, what does that mean? What is that? What is he on about? Well, to help us answer the question, it's worth trying to think where else in the Bible do you find those two words together? Raised Christ. Have a little think. Where else? I don't mean a passage, but what, oh, where, where, what other time in the year might you say those two words Easter, of course, yeah. Raised Christ, or Christ raised, often it's risen, you know, he is risen. What Paul is saying here is something pretty incredible. He's saying that these Colossians, that in some way, they were resurrected with Christ. They were raised with Christ. He says that they've died, for you have died, verse 3, and then now you have been raised. And he says that their lives are now hidden with Christ in God. Now let's unpack this because it might be a bit confusing. Um, it's the same with you today. If you're a Christian, this, get this right. You are so closely tied with Jesus Christ. You might not feel like it sometimes. You might feel very distant from him. But spiritually speaking, where it really matters, you are so closely tied with Jesus Christ that the Bible says that you are in Christ. You ever heard that phrase before? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We often talk about Christ being in us. You know, we invite Jesus into our lives. And it could give the impression that, you know, Jesus is like this little person who comes inside of us and we're the big house where Jesus lives inside. And, you know, there's, 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 there's certainly truth in that in the Bible in the sense that Christ is in us. But even more so, we are in Christ. Hidden in Christ. Safe and secure. So because we're in Christ or with Christ, spiritually speaking, it means that we are where Jesus is, spiritually speaking. Where's Jesus? Verse 1. Seated at the right hand of God the Father. Spiritually speaking, if you're a Christian, you are in a brand new position. Position that you could never have got yourself. So many Christians look at themselves. Do you do this? Look in the mirror, or you just think of yourself and think, man, I'm such a filthy sinner. Ooh, deep down, if you were to cut right, down, right down into my heart, you would see something really horrible. I'm sick, some of the things I come out with, or think in my head. Or, I'm horrible, I'm not a nice person, I'm not a good person at all. Now, yeah, of course, we all have some pretty crazy thoughts and do some pretty dastardly deeds. But if you're thinking, I'm a filthy sinner and I'm a worm... This passage is trying to say to you, actually, no, that's what you were. You were indeed that, but because you have been forgiven, you have been given a new position. You are now in 
Christ. You have the righteousness of Christ in you, not through any you know, effort of yourself. You've got a higher position. You know, that should try and help you with your sense of self-worth if you're ever feeling low and lousy about yourself. You know, you're concentrating on the physical stuff. Spiritually speaking, you are seated with, hidden in Christ. It's amazing. And with a new position, you get a new view. Now, that obviously happens. You know, how many of you have been on holiday and uh, you've, you've seen a, an old church or something or, or some sort of old castle that you can go and visit and you've seen lots of steps that go up and maybe you have to even pay a little bit more money to go up there, but you've, you've trudged up lots of steps to get to the top. Why? Because you want to see the new view. When you get in a higher position, you want to actually check out the view. Some of you might have even climbed mountains before, I don't know, um, walked up big hills. Can you imagine if you climbed to the top of Mount Everest, and when you were up there, you finally got to the top, risked life and limb, spent all the money it takes to get up there, and when you were up there, you decided, you know what, I'm really interested in this newspaper, I think I'll read that for a bit, and I don't think I'll bother looking up and looking at the new view, I think I'll just read the paper and then skedaddle back down the other side. Of course you wouldn't, it would be unthinkable to not look at the new view when you're on top of the mountain. Now, if you have spiritually changed position, if you are now seated with the, at the right hand of Christ, in, hidden in Christ, it's really worth checking out the new view of what you have. Hello. <laughs> there is a new view. Let me explain what it is. When you look down from this new view, when you really contemplate where you are now, spiritually speaking, it should change your perspective on life. It should absolutely change how you view things. Um, it, when you're up at the top of Mount Everest, when you look down, if there were houses around at the base of Mount Everest, they would be like little dots, um, roads that looked so scary and forbidding before when you were trying to cross them from the top of the mountain actually don't look quite as scary anymore. With God in your life, your view changes perspective. Of course, we naturally start thinking in an earthly view, but try and think in heavenly terms. Because it should affect the way you view, certainly view problems. Um, I remember things that seemed like a huge problem to me when I was a kid and now are not such a big deal. There was one time, right, I was really into E.T. You know, E.T. Big finger. I was really into E.T. And I was like, um, there was a T-shirt with E.T. on it. And he was... He was poking his head out from behind a door, and I loved the look of the T-shirt. You know, they sold it in the shop down in Chesney Street in my hometown, and I really wanted it. And I said to my mom one day, "Mom, can I have this T-shirt?" And she said, "No." Now, I was I was devastated, right? Because I wanted that T-shirt so much, I was absolutely devastated. Oh, yeah. I think we have a, a bit of devastation going on here. So, you know, wow, you've got to see the whole action there. Should have had that on film. We could have got two hundred and fifty pound off Jeremy Beadle. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I really wanted this T-shirt, but when my mum said no, I was absolutely devastated about this. I was really gutted, and I tried this new method. I thought, well, you know, if instead of just going, oh, I can't believe this, mum, if I actually start saying to my mum, um, oh, okay, then, mum, that's okay. I thought that would be a way that she would think, oh, wow, isn't he being really well-behaved? You know what, son, you've been so well-behaved. I will get you the T-shirt after all. So she said, no, you can't have the T-shirt. And I said, um, okay, ma'am, that's fine. And nothing happened, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, come on. And she says, yeah, that's right. And I didn't get the T-shirt after all. Now, I was devastated about that at the time. But to be honest, nowadays, 
Well, I'm still a little bit bitter about it, right? But, you know, I'm not that bothered. Why? Well, my position's changed. I'm in a different position now. I'm an adult. Uh, if I wanted, really wanted to, I could go out and buy myself an ET t-shirt. Um, you know, and, and I realized that not getting that t-shirt was not the be-all and end-all of my life. When you get a different position, you have a different perspective, and it's crazy to try and think in the old perspective. When you've been given a new position in Christ, you have a new perspective. Philip Yancey says it's the, it's the view from above. I do like that phrase. helps us get perspective. It helps us to see our problems in the true perspective they are. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that health issues or work stresses are as trivial as a T-shirt. But what I am saying is, um, the point is, that that is not the be-all and end-all. Even if a doctor comes and tells you the worst news possible, when you're, from, when you're seated with the right hand of the Father, actually, that is not the be-all and end-all. That is not the end. Even death. Death that scares so many people. When you're a Christian, is actually not the be-all and end-all. Because you have a different perspective. But hey, isn't it hard to keep that perspective if the doctor ever said that to you? And the way to get plugged into this perspective and to keep hold of it is through prayer. Um, you know, bringing all your hassles to God and your stresses to God and allowing him to keep that perspective going. Because it's really easy to lose the perspective. What's that verse in uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Flory, uh, our oldest member, her favorite hymn. Oh, what a joy, oh, what joy we often forfeit, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Prayer is a way of helping us keep that view in perspective because naturally we'll drop it. And Paul understands this because what does he say? In verse one, he, says, he's, he talks about being intentional. He says, set your hearts on things above. He says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. It's like he's saying, look, man, people, you've gone up in the world. You're higher now. You're in a different position. Don't get bogged down by all that old earthly stuff. You know, like, it's like reading the newspaper up on Everest. No, look at the view. You've got bigger fish to fry now. You've got eternal things to think about. There's more things to think about than just a career or just, you know, getting by or buying a house or whatever. These things are important, but there's much more at stake here. Most people's life, to be honest, we talked about this on Friday in our prayer group, um, the aim of life in many ways is to be happy. And so many people say that if you were to ask me what my goal in life is, it's to be happy. Nothing wrong with being happy, but if you're a Christian, that is not your prime goal. What about other people's happiness, of course? <laughs> God forget that. You know, you've got a much bigger agenda. Our focus is to be heavenwards. Now, anyone hearing this might start thinking, does that mean that you have to be living with your head in the clouds then? You know, to, from the sounds of it, when you read it, it sounds like Paul's saying, don't think on earthly things, think on heavenly things. And you could get the impression that you're supposed to be a person who has their head in the clouds. Imagine this, um, someone comes in and says, oh, excuse me, do you mind helping me move this table? It's a bit heavy. And you turn to them and say, I'd rather not do that, actually. I think we should pray instead. What? I have my mind on heavenly things, not on earthly things. Let's pray. And maybe the table will move itself. <laughs> Is that what it's trying to say? Or um, imagine you go to have your driver's test, you sit down and the instructor says, okay, Mr. Laws, <laughs> move off. And you say, no, hang on a minute. I think we should have a Bible study right now. Let's put God in the driver's seat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hang on a minute, right? Is this what Paul is saying? Because it could sound like that. 
to be so heavenly minded that in, in a way we're not much earthly use. Well, who's our example? Jesus. Was he heavenly focused? Absolutely. Jesus was the most heavenly focused person you could possibly ever think of. He, he saw this world as what it, was, what it is. He, he, he didn't see um, his life as a carpenter, as the, the be all and end all. Um, he saw there was a bigger fish to fry. Um, his career wasn't the, wasn't the, the most important thing. Um, he was willing to go to the cross because he could understand death was not the be all and end all, that there was more to life than that. Every day he carved out time in his timetable to pray, to read the Bible, to, um, to, uh, you know, to get his perspective. He knew the scriptures so well. In many ways you could say Jesus was a bloke who really had his head in the clouds, heavenly clouds, and that's quite right he did. But was he of any earthly use? I think if you asked all of those countless people he healed, they'd say, yes, he was the most useful person I've ever met. If you asked all of those people who were demon-possessed and he cast out demons, they'd say, wow, the most useful person, that was Jesus Christ. He made such a difference. Even, you could think of all of those people who ate off the tables or sat on the seats that Jesus the carpenter had made. Because think about it, there would have been those things around. They would say, oh, hey, this table's great, isn't it? Jesus of Nazareth, he made this table. Very useful guy. The point is, because Jesus was so heavenly focused... He actually had maximum earthly impact. When you start thinking in terms of eternal things, you start caring about what really matters. Not things or cars or happiness or even health. And don't get me wrong, those things are important. God does not want you to not have those things in many ways. But these things are great, but that's not the point of life. And if you make them your priority, if you make your personal happiness the priority of life, you're going to come unstuck, I'm afraid. Uh, So many people have made health or sorry let's think um, uh, money for example possessions career have made those things the central things and they've got those things famous people careers you know uh, rich famous all the money all the respect loads of shelves full of awards and they're checking themselves into clinics because they're depressed and they're realizing that when you bury right down and find this at the heart of who you are actually it leaves you wanting no god is the focus keep your mind focused on heavenly things and you'll find your life making a great impact for god and also as a church, let's keep thinking in terms of heavenly things. That doesn't mean that we don't pay attention to the practical things. But that does mean that we have a faith focus and not just of a, uh, you know, earthly focus. Well, that's uh, all I want to look into that. But next week, we're going to be looking at the rest of this amazing makeover with God. Uh, we're going to be seeing how God brings new responsibilities with this new position we have. And also we get a brand new wardrobe. Uh, so I'll tell you, explain all that next week. But until then, I want you to realize something very profound and amazing, that you have a new position. Some of you may be, whoa, (laughs) some of you may not even be believing this. You might be thinking, yeah, whatever. But you have a new position. I'm just going to grab that. (laughs) My papers are getting a new position as well. Um, There's more to life than flesh and bone. God has an adventure, a purpose for you in your life, no matter how old you are, no matter what age you are. And let these verses be a mirror to you. And I encourage you to take these verses, this chapter, even the whole book of Colossians, have a read of it over this week. Try and absorb it, especially these verses we've looked at today. And let it be like God is opening up a mirror and he's putting a mirror in front of you and he's saying to you, check this out. This is the brand new you. Amen. Amen.